0: This is Janelle Wood, and you are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. Welcome, friend. The Finding Something Real podcast is designed especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. As someone who's been through my own ups and downs with faith, my desire is to create an invitational place for people to process and address questions about God and Christianity. So if you're not sure what you believe about God, I get that. And if you're skeptical, hey, you've come to the right place, but I invite people to go on a journey with me because I believe Jesus is real and my desire is to share him with you. And today we're diving deeper into season six. We'll go ahead and dive into today's talk in just a moment, but first a few words regarding stuff that helps keep us on the air. Hi friend, this podcast is sponsored in part by Faithful Counseling. Life is full of ups and downs, unexpected twists and turns, and sometimes we struggle with all that can come our way. Faithful Counseling will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist who is also a practicing Christian. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And as someone with a master's degree in counseling psychology and whom at various times in the past 20 or so years has benefited from seeing a professional therapist, I know the value that professional counseling can bring because we all need someone to talk with and Faithful Counseling can help. Please visit faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real to sign up for professional faith-based counseling. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. There's also a special offer for Finding Something Real listeners to get 10% off your first month at faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real. Thanks again to Faithful Counseling for being a sponsor of this episode. Well, welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This is your host, Janelle Wood. And I'm so glad that you are back where we've been talking to young women and guests in season six. We've been starting off each month with a different young woman sharing her faith story and allowing her the space to ask some tough questions about God and Christianity this month though I am personally taking some time off to be with my family and also have some behind-the-scenes kind of working stuff that I'm working on so um, while I'm away we are featuring some bonus episodes and conversations with or for some young women who've asked some great faith questions here on the podcast and like most of the episodes we're sharing this month, um, today's episode is a little different in that the question didn't come up on a recent podcast episode. Rather, it's something we don't really talk about much. Um, but just before recording this today, I was editing a different podcast episode that will air before this one. That episode with Pastor Dubois Dutrois was co-hosted by someone you may remember, my former co-host, Doc Marr from the Netherlands. And the one thing that Doc Marr shared uh, in that conversation was the idea that she's afraid to surrender to God uh, because maybe she wants to figure out who she is first, even though she spent the last year having some very unexpected and hard health challenges that have really, I think, thrown a huge wrench in some of her plans of self-discovery. So today, we're going to be talking about identity, God, And specifically, The Gift of the Unexpected, Discovering Who You Were Meant to Be When Life Goes Off Plan. That's actually um, the title of today's special guest's new book. Our guest today is a former journalist and news anchor. She holds a broadcast journalism degree from the University of Georgia. As a freelance writer, her essays about living an unexpected life have appeared on sites such as Today, Good Morning America, Yahoo News, and ABC News. She regularly advocates for the full inclusion of people with um, Congress's National Down Syndrome Advocacy Coalition. Her and her husband, Andy, and their three children make their home on Florida's Space Coast. I'm so excited to welcome her, and yet I totally forgot to mention (laughs) that I'm joined by a co-host today as well who's going to introduce her with me, Docmars here as well. Docmar, hey. Hey. <laughs> I'm just reading my phone here. Totally forgetting. You're right there. <laughs> yeah, I am. But it's okay. Go ahead. No, I'm so glad. Well, I'm super excited. We're gonna uh welcome today together Jillian Benfield. Jillian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you
1: so much for having me. It sounds like um what you mentioned um uh, Docmar's uh, you know journey to self discovery, and then all these things happen just fits right in line with um, with this book and my story as well.
0: Don't you just love divine uh, encounters like that? Like, Mm -hmm. today, I'm working on a completely unrelated (laughs) episode. And then I'm like, wait a second. Uh, This is crazy. And then I call her just thinking I'm going to check in. And then all of a sudden, we're talking about you. And here she is. So I know, Dr. Mar, you were the perfect co host for this conversation the perfect well, co-host. You. I think so too. <laughs> so super excited. Jillian, would you share about The Unexpected and what inspired this book?
1: Yeah. So um, I'll take you back to 2013 when um, we, I just had my first daughter with my, along with my husband, Andy, and uh, we moved out across the country to Las Vegas, Nevada, because um, that's where the Air Force sent us uh, after Andy finished dental school. And um, I decided to take the year off from journalism because, again, I just had my first daughter and this assignment was such a short assignment. It was only a year long. And I thought I would go right back to TV news once this assignment was over. Well, then May 2014 rolled around. And I am waiting to hear where we get assigned. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm pacing and I'm pacing. And finally my phone rings and it's my husband. And before I even said hello, I said, what did we get? And he said, Alamogordo, New Mexico. And we both got really quiet because there's not even a target in Alamogordo, New Mexico, <laughs> let alone a TV news station. And so I cried pretty much all day long Cause this was just not a scenario i had dreamt up in my head um and i my identity was so attached to what i did at the time and i just felt so lost and didn't know what to do well later that day that same day i had this weird feeling and this weird feeling was telling me to take a pregnancy test and we were not in the business of trying our daughter had just turned a year old Um, But I happened to have an old test that made the cross country move with us somehow. And I I took it and almost immediately saw the word pregnant pop up in all caps. (laughs) And I remember slapping my forehead in shock and thinking, okay, God, okay, you want me to be a stay at home mom? I get it. Okay. I thought I had it all figured out. Well, a couple months later, we moved to Alamogordo. Nurse more tears because it was unfortunately just, just like how we pictured it, <laughs> um, you know, just very remote. Um, but then it was time for my 20 week ultrasound. And um, I get to the ultrasound and everything seemed to be going okay. And finally, the technician thanked us, walked out the room. A nurse walked into the room and she said, Well, everything must look great because the doctor's not here. And as soon as she said those words, the doctor walked in and he explained to us that our child had a higher chance of having a trisomy. And I said, well, what does that mean? And he said, it means that your child could have a condition like Down syndrome. And I just remember my back breaking out in fire and the words, I can't be a special needs mom. I can't be a special needs mom. Just going over and over again in my head, like a skipping CD, Uh, because of course I couldn't because... That was definitely not a part of the plan. Um, Eight days later, after getting blood work done, my husband called me and he said, the doctor called, it's not good. I'm coming home. Mm -hmm. And I just remember my heavy 21 week pregnant body just falling to the kitchen floor and the words, oh no, oh no, oh no, this doesn't feel real. This doesn't feel real. Just coming out of my mouth. And finally he walked in the door. And I could tell almost immediately that he was going to get sick. And I followed him to the bathroom. And after he did get sick, I just remember him laying his head on my chest and his hot tears rolling down my shirt. Um, We had both just turned 27 years old and we were in shock that something like this could happen to us. Um, And we knew... The test was positive for some things, something, something life altering, permanent, possibly deadly, but we didn't know what. And we had to go get the results at the doctor's office. And when we got there, he said, well, it's not good news. Your child has a 99.9% chance of having down syndrome. And it's normally at times like these people wanna talk about their options.
2: Hmm.
1: And I said, what options? And he said, option one is you terminate the pregnancy. Option two is you continue the pregnancy with a high-risk doctor. And I said, Well, can you tell us can you tell us about Down syndrome? Like, what does this even mean? And he seemed surprised by the question. And he said, Oh, uh, well, at worst, he'll never be able to feed himself. And at best, he'll mop the floors of a fast food restaurant one day. Mm-hmm. But don't you can have the baby here. And we can keep him comfortable, but we don't have to do anything drastic to save his life. So in other words, we could have our baby to keep our consciences clean, but we could let him die of natural causes. So the doctor led me to believe that my child would not have a life worth living. So I grieved as if a death had taken place. Um, It would take me many weeks and months to realize that I had more in common with that doctor than I wanted to admit. And that is a lot of what this book is about. It's about the unlearning and the learning that can take place when the unexpected hits our lives.
0: Wow. What a powerful story, Jillian. Oh, my gosh. And I now want to know all what happened. Um, I mean... Doc Marr, what are your thoughts on that?
2: My thoughts are, that is so horrible for a doctor to say. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I it was. I would feel gutted if a doctor would say something to me like that. Yeah, I was. I was
1: gutted. And, um, you know, I think that the grief that I felt, I... I when I've given talks about this before, it's, it's kind of a three-part thing. Um, part of my grief was because of the doctor. Part of my grief was because of my unknowing ableism. And part of my grief was because of a society um, that, to be quite honest, still abides by, you know, here in America, an awful um, ruling that we lived under called "separate." separate but equal um we still have this structure in place in our schools where we segregate kids um who have disabilities and so i didn't know anyone with disabilities growing up and um yeah so it's but the doctor's speech definitely um made what was would probably be grief that i held held, no matter what he had said um it emphasized it absolutely
0: Mm. Mm. So there you are. You're pregnant. Um, You're 27 years old. You're now in a town you don't really want to be in. Your career's over. You've got options that both sound pretty rough. What did you do?
1: Oh, well, uh, I think I grieved pretty heavily. Um, I mean, I I don't think I did. I know I did. (laughs) Um, on the worst of those days, I remember my mom who came in town to live with us for a while, um, had to pull me out of bed and get me in the shower, take me out of the shower, sat me down in a chair and she brushed my hair because I couldn't do it. Um, and I talk about this pretty openly in the book because I think that, Christianity is often, let me put it this way, Western Christianity is often unrealistic in it's positivity. Um, And so I think that we're often encouraged to just skip right over the hard and focus on Jesus and everything will be just fine. Um, And life just isn't really like that. (laughs) Um, Even if you believe in Jesus, it doesn't mean that you're not going to experience grief and heartache and even tragedy. Not that this was a tragedy, but at the time, I thought that it was. Yeah. And um, I think that going all the way through grief and those feelings is uh, kind of key um, to l- allowing the unexpected to be a springboard to transformation. But we can't we can't get there unless we're willing to walk all the way through it.
0: Yeah. So let's pause there for a second. And I want to hear, um, if you felt like your faith had prepared you for, for that. Um, tell me about, uh, your faith journey up until that point.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I had a podcaster ask me, um, what was my religious upbringing? Like if I could sum it up in a word, and I summed it up as confusing, um i uh, was raised by parents who were uh catholic and then left the catholic church um and we were just we kind of went to church occasionally um and i was from a small town and they were unhappy with the public education and so they sent me to a private school um, which was very fundamentalist which they didn't know um you know i think they probably thought all protestant churches and schools and whatnot were the same, (laughs) you know, but it was very fundamentalist, very rigid, um, and very much about hell and not so much about this redemptive God that we have. Um, and, you know, I walked away from faith, I would say at 11, uh, years old, when I went to this really terrible church camp, um, that was all about, it was just all of that, emphasized and um how terrible we all are (laughs) and um who's out and who's in and um, that kind of thing and so i didn't come back around to faith until i met my husband and i was very intrigued by his religious upbringing and you know for me um we got married and we started going to church and i saw this pamphlet in the church bulletin and it said that um this class that was like a nine month course would cover more than 80% of the Bible. And me being the journalist that I was, I just knew that if this was ever going to be a part of my life outside of Sunday morning, that I had to almost investigate faith as the journalist that I was. Cause that's why, you know, that was part Mm -hmm. of my personality. I just needed to, to dig in and examine it for myself. And so I did, and it did change things for me. Um, And I would say that's when I really came to know Jesus for the first time. You know, like religion when I was a child was not really about Jesus. Um, And so that's when I really came to know who Jesus was. And um, so what I would say, though, is during this period of grief that my faith, the old faith kind of came poking through the cracks. And it was, well, what did I do to deserve this? You know. Yeah. And I realized the further, the deeper I allowed myself to go into that and peel back and peel back those layers um, is that I realized that my faith was very much tied to this American prosperity gospel, that mm-hmm. if you do good, God will reward you. And if you do bad, God will punish you.
0: And I didn't even
1: realize that I held those beliefs, but once the unexpected hit, that old faith, you know, it just popped through and I had to really kind of deconstruct the faith that I had all over again. And um, what ended up happening was uh, a reconstruction uh, during this process of going through the unexpected.
0: Yeah, yeah, it definitely sounds like you had to detangle some of that stuff that was embedded in there that wasn't exposed until, until all of this happened. Um, Wow. Uh, (laughs) So you were processing your grief and how it it sounds like your mom was there. You had people around you who were helping you through that. Um, Tell me about your baby Mm -hmm. being born.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, So the military had to move us from, New Mexico, because of the lack of resources, and they, um, we were really hoping to be moved closer to family in the southeast, and that didn't happen. We moved further west to Arizona. And um, the day Anderson was born, um, a very, very, um, and he was also born on the day that i had predicted, which was New Year's Eve. And my husband had asked me, he's like, Why do you think he'll be born on New Year's Eve? And I said, I feel like God will show us a miracle on the last day of the, the last day of the worst year of our lives. And um he did. <laughs> um I just remember when Anderson was born, him them placing him in my arms and him just staring at me so intently. And his eyes just broke through my heart and I had waves of peace wash over me for the first time in months. And, um, yeah, it was definitely one of those moments where you just felt like God's fingerprints all over it.
0: Well, tell me about, uh, coming out of some of that grief, and how you knew that you were no longer in the grieving stage. Did it immediately happen when your son was born? Uh, Tell me about that process.
1: Yeah, no, I think a lot of people would maybe expect the story to go that way because I did feel this supernatural peace when Anderson was born. Um, And I did feel like as if somebody was walking my steps for me for days. And then we got home and reality hit you know um anderson was born with a hole in his heart and it took him eight hours a day just to eat um and i was pumping and so feeding him was literally more than a full-time job and i had a toddler and he had it was nothing for him to have some sort of medical appointment every day of the week and i was drowning um And I, again, was in a new community, didn't know anyone. Um, And it was me and my husband alone on this island. Um, And what the moment, I would not say that grief stopped in a moment, um, but I think the turning point for me was when Anderson was about 10 weeks old and he smiled his first real smile. And um, his little personality started shining through. And that's when my perspective started changing. Mm. And that's when I, um, you know, was able to fall in love with him all over again, and able to see him as the, you know, full little human person that he was. And I think that you know, God used Anderson to heal parts of my heart that I didn't even know needed healing.
0: Mm -hmm. So I want to stop you there, Jillian, because there's some people that would be listening to this podcast who aren't sure that God even exists. And they hear a story like this, and they're thinking, where was God? Mm -hmm. Uh, You mentioned earlier that Western I would say legalistic and ladder theology, right? Like if I do good, uh, then, which is every other religion, right? If I do good, then God will bless me. Clearly that's not the Christian message, although we get it tangled up. So what would you say to somebody who's listening to your story right now and going, where was God? How you couldn't really, could you see him in that time besides his being born and seeing Anderson and seeing, you know, the, the, f- the fingerprint of God, how did you experience God during that time? Hmm.
1: I think I experienced God little and little bits at a time. Um, I think God often works through people and I could see God in the way that someone would reach out to me and just write something to me that just spoke to my heart or, Somebody would, um, send food (laughs) to remote New Mexico, um, because they knew that I just needed to be seen. Um, Mm -hmm. I could see God and gosh, I'm not going to lie to you and say that there weren't these feelings of abandonment because there absolutely were,
0: you Mm -hmm. know,
1: to, especially that, that moved to Arizona where it was like, really, you couldn't throw us this bone, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I've come to believe that God, um, may not be the reason for all of our circumstances, but I believe that he bends our circumstances towards goodness. And, um, and I could see that in, you know, my husband and I, like I said, we were on this Island, um, with no community, no support. And my goodness, like, I wouldn't wish that upon my daughter, for instance, you know, when she grows up, but at the same time, our marriage just blossomed during that hmm. time. And I could see God there. Um, and, you know, I think that we, we can get it twisted with thinking that God makes goodness come out of pain in the way that we think that our circumstances are going to be always be good. Um, What I have experienced is that sometimes God does change our circumstances for good and uses things for good. And sometimes what he does is change us in the process. And what I see looking back at that time was Someone who was so afraid to feel, who always would never have come on this podcast looking like this, <laughs> where I've spent all day out in the sun with my kids and whatnot, um, you know, I always had to be perfect, polish, all these things. And God just broke through that in me mm-hmm. and allowed me to be real with him and vulnerable for perhaps the first time in my life. And it was through that vulnerability that I began to change. And I think that, you know, I could see somebody seeing the title of my book who doesn't believe in God and see the gift of the unexpected and thinking like, well, how could my circumstances be a gift? And my, my point to you is your circumstances may not be a gift, but what I do think how God shows up and can bring gifts out of the unexpected is often how we can change through our unexpected circumstances. And so I saw glimpses of God along the way, but perhaps the greatest gift during all of that was how he used the unexpected to change me Mm. and how he used the unexpected, I believe, to show me a clearer picture of who he is.
0: Friend, if you're enjoying this episode, you may also enjoy exclusive bonus content each month. Finding something real is a podcast that has some costs associated with it. We have a website, monthly subscriptions to stay organized. We design things. We like to pay an assistant producer who keeps things going around here, that kind of stuff. We're not in the business of trying to make money, but we are in the business of wanting to keep this show going and be sustainable. So we use Patreon. And if you haven't heard of it, Patreon is the best place for creators to build memberships by providing exclusive access to their work and a deeper connection with their communities. Each month, patrons who support Finding Something Real get a bonus episode where we recap the month's episodes. Often those episodes feature our co-hosts and they will often share what this journey was like. There's other perks over there, too, and it's easy to get involved. Just go to findingsomethingreal.com and click support at the top of the page. We'd love to have you over there in our Patreon community. You mentioned that you needed to deconstruct or, uh, I think I said detangle, from some of those uh, things that came up, Um, you know, like bad things happen to people that deserve them or whatever. You know, those. Mm -hmm. it's interesting because... My husband and I went through uh, multiple miscarriages and I had the same thoughts, uh, the Mm -hmm. same thing that came up like, wait a second, didn't I serve you? Didn't I do all these things? Mm -hmm. Things that I never would have ever said out loud or even thought that I believed that suddenly were exposed uh, in a period of darkness and feeling of abandonment like what you were describing. And I came to the point in my faith where I remember just turning to my husband one night and being like, Are you sure that God exists, you know, coming to that Mm -hmm. point? Mm -hmm. Did you ever come to that point, Jillian? I know that you had said that you had come back to faith. Um, Did you ever feel like, okay, I'm out of here? Or as you mentioned, drawing closer to your husband, did you feel like you, you were in it to draw closer to the Lord during that time?
1: I don't think that I ever got to that point of questioning God's existence. Um, and I think that's because I had worked really hard to build my faith over again before this all hit. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I had really been introduced to Jesus for the first time. And I just remember reading something from C.S. Lewis that was, you kind of have to decide if Jesus was a loony tune, <laughs> if Jesus <laughs> was nuts. Or he is who he says he is. You know, I think there's a lot of gray area and a lot of things, but I agreed with him on that. It's it's either he he was a crazy person or he was who he says he was. And I just when I read over the New Testament and what he said and what he did, I just I never lost sight of that. I okay. I question how God worked in the world. And I think those questions are good. Um, I talk about that quite a bit. Like, I think asking why is actually a really good question. And I think it's one that we're discouraged from asking, Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know why, because I think in the why questions, that's where the wrestling with God happens. And I think that there is such intimacy there and um, a deeper understanding can be formed from those questions. Um, But no, I don't think I ever questioned if God existed um, because I had already come to that conclusion. Like, I just, no matter what else was out there, you know, and the religion I was exposed to in my past or, you know, the things I saw other, you know, Christians doing or whatever, no matter what, I was already bought into Jesus and who he was.
0: Hmm. Dakmar, I'd love for you to, jump in here and feel free to share about some of your own unexpected things or if you just want to comment on Jillian's story at this point whatever you want to share
2: yeah well I mean it makes sense that asking the why questions is always a good thing and I do think that is kind of maybe a little bit discouraged especially when it comes to faith like you just have to trust that what God is putting on your path is what is right for you and you always have to trust it but i don't think like i'm still not 100 percent sure that christianity is for me like i'm not sure that i'm ready to give give myself into that but i do think that it is a good thing anyway because you need to question like Why is this a good thing for me? What could I? What could? How could this change me for the better? For the better, Mm -hmm. and I do think that that is always a good question to ask. Like, what is the point of this? Maybe like,
0: Mm
2: -hmm. I've had a lot of hardship in my life. Like, I've. (sighs) I'm not gonna get into all the details, but eventually even if sometimes took like 10 years, I did always come out with a new perspective Mm -hmm. and a way to help other people going through it. So I do think that is always good to ask the why. Yeah.
1: And, you know, I think I would push back on the, what you said, like people saying to you, not pushing back on you, but what people have said to you, like you just have to trust that this is God's best for you. Um, I don't, I think that's faulty. I don't think everything that happens to us is God's best for us. Um, I don't think that, but I do think that when things are put into our paths that are not what's best for us, I think that God can use those things and rebuild them into something that is beautiful that can take, he can take that experience and build something beautiful in us um, through it. And, you know, there's a lot of different theologies out there. You know, there's some people that would hate what I just said because they think that everything that happens to us is predestined and that sort of thing. I don't, I personally don't believe that. Um, and after we had our son with Down syndrome, he had open heart surgery and we had a miscarriage and got pregnant again. And after we announced that pregnancy, we learned that something was terribly wrong and um, that pregnancy ended up requiring fetal intervention surgery and a NICU stay and surgeries. And I lived in a Ronald McDonald house away from my family. Um, You're not going to convince me that that experience was God's best for me, but what I can tell you from that experience and experiencing the unexpected again and again for a period of five years of, in our lives, that was a very dark time was I can see how God used those experiences to soften me, to strengthen me, to change my perspective. You know, I think before I had this very privileged perspective you know and if I worked hard enough then I could control my own destiny and maybe people who didn't work as hard as I did maybe that's why they were less fortunate like even if I didn't like verbalize that I think I kind of it was in there you know and then when the unexpected happens um you just realize like how fragile we all are and how fragile this life is and there's something devastating and also beautiful about that and I think that God the what I've come to believe after experiencing all the unexpected again and again is that we can become the highest versions of ourselves that he dreamed up a long time ago through the unexpected, because we become we can become more Christ-like through those experiences. But that doesn't mean that the experiences themselves are necessarily good or God's best, but God is a redemptive God and can redeem those things and bring good things out of them.
0: That's interesting. I was editing a podcast. I'm in editing podcast mode, you guys. And uh, I was editing one yesterday where the guest was talking a little bit about suffering. And he was talking about an athlete and how you literally break down the muscle to build it up again. And it's in the breaking down that we get stronger and stronger when we surrender. I wanted to ask you, Doc Mar, though. You were on here a few months ago. You shared basically what you just shared a second ago with Jillian and I, which was, uh, I hear all this stuff about Christianity. I mean, you had even recited the gospel back to me in Dubois. I don't know if you remember that, but it was like a whole thing. And... Uh, and then I said, I, I called you out on this and you said, go ahead, because uh, I can I can do it right back. And I said, um, what do you think is keeping you from faith? And you had an answer back then, but I'm just wondering if it's the same one uh, now, if you have a different if you're in a different place or or why you think that. What, what do you think is holding you back?
2: I'm not really sure what's holding me back right now. I think part of it's also because I haven't really been thinking about it more. Yeah. I've just kind of been caught up in my life. And maybe that's also part of what's holding me back right now. Just because my life has never really been revolved around faith. Because. I like my grandparents are Christians, but other than that, like nobody in my family or my friends is Christian. So it's not like I get reminded of it a lot. Like, oh, yeah, I wanted to read the Bible again, or that self is mostly with you. And I think that's also part of what's holding me back. I don't have the community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Jillian, that's a good point. You mentioned people, that God uses people, you know, Mm -hmm. like to bring you food in New Mexico Mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, what would you say to someone like Doc Mara who's on the fence? What difference Mm -hmm. does having God in your life make in the unexpected seasons that we go through?
1: Well, I certainly don't think that it erases um, the hard. I just but what i do believe is that and what i it was the hope that always existed that somehow god was going to make something beautiful come out of this and that has remained to be true for me no matter what that thing has been um and i would say with the lack of community i do i mean i have been there because we moved so much you know and during that time, I probably never read more in my life. And, you know, talking about God using other people, um, I found God and a lot of authors, really. Um, and I think when I was kind of where you are, um, I, I read some really boring stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like some really heavy theology stuff. I enrolled in seminary for a while, just trying to figure it out, you know, not that I ever, ha- not that I have God figured out, right. But I I needed a good baseline of how I believe, not know, but how I believe God works in the world, especially experiencing so much suffering. That was really important for me to just come up with a baseline of what I, what I thought to be true. And, um, yeah, so I think that if you're in that place, maybe dive into a boring book, (laughs) you know, and maybe, yeah, like, I, I I mean, I hope you read my book, but I, I hope maybe you'll read some great, (laughs) I don't think it is, but some great thinkers too, you know, um, who like C.S. Lewis, like Walter Brugerman there. I mean, there's so many out there that, um, I could send you but i i would just say like let that be your community for a while and see what you think and i'm not trying to convince you of anything but for a while when i had no one else in my proximity these authors some of them not even living were my community um because they taught me so much
0: good advice good advice and i i'm just thinking too of as you're talking, Jillian, um, my mom's favorite verse, uh, Doc Mar knows my mom. It's her birthday today as we're recording this, oh. um, Happy birthday, which again. this is my mom's, um, favorite verse. And the other day she gave her testimony, which in- included a lot of rejection and a lot of, um, collateral damage type suffering. And, um, it's Romans 828. And it says, Doc Mar, this is for you. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And I think, Jillian, that's what you're saying here, is that uh, you know God uses all the mess, all the things. Mm-hmm. We live in a fallen world, broken things, mm-hmm. things that shouldn't happen. But God will use that for his glory. He promises. He promises mm-hmm. he will. I guess that segues pretty well into this next question. Talk to me about the Psalms. How are they countercultural? And what do they teach us about hard times?
1: Yeah. So again, I'll, I'll go back to Western Christianity and how um, Walter Brueggemann, who's this Old Testament scholar, says that, you know, it's often unrealistic in its positivity. And there's no greater example of that than when you dive into the Psalms. Um, the Psalms are more than half of them are laments. And I think that the Psalms are there to teach us how to be in relationship with God. And this was never something that I learned growing up or even as an adult. And again, I learned it from diving into a boring book. Um, (laughs) But it's true. And I think like realizing that Jesus on the cross quoted the Psalms saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I believe that he did that in the ultimate act of solidarity, you know, to, to show us that I am here and I am suffering too. And I am crying out to God too. And this is how you're supposed to react in your own suffering. They're supposed to bring it all to God. You're not supposed to skip over it we're not supposed to wrap all of our hard circumstances up in a bow and neat and tidy and not supposed to sweep it under the rug away. A lot of Christianity expects us to do like, that's, that's not what we're supposed to do. Instead we are supposed to go all the way through them with God. And I think when we do that and when we can see the God who suffered on the cross and made his suffering so apparent by quoting this gut-wrenching song um, that that's the way to him. That's not the way away from him. It's the
0: way to him. Mm, I love that. What you just said reminds me of a Timothy Keller um, sermon. Did you ever listen to Tim Keller? He I have ones? listened to
1: him a few, but yeah. Uh, okay.
0: Um, I just loved him and he just passed away actually last yeah. week. And um, he had a sermon recently go out on Gospel and Life, the podcast uh, that they they ran, Redeemer. And um, anyway, he was talking about death and suffering, and he was talking about you know the idea that death doesn't hurt or it doesn't sting. Uh, you know, give me a break. But he was talking about how there's these different worldviews, and he was talking about believing that there is no God, and then believing uh, you know in some sort of Eastern philosophy and. Um, that you can remove yourself from the pain and suffering so you can transcend it and uh, he's like, no no no, Christianity is the only place where we have this experience of suffering is horrible. it's awful it's not the way it was meant to be mm-hmm. but we have a savior who's encountered that and uh, can you know help us through it but it doesn't mean we don't go through it. It doesn't mean that right. we don't experience it and we don't have to, act like a stoic and be like oh I'm so you know apart from it no the fact that it hurts and that it stings makes us human and that's a, re- a real experience yeah Jillian how can people find out more about you and your ministry
1: um, I'm on Facebook at Jillian Benfield and Instagram at Jillian Benfield blog um, on my website and I think I think those are all the places
0: okay awesome Some people who experience the unexpected long to return to their old lives. Um, How would you encourage someone listening who feels that way?
1: Yeah. So I think most oftentimes in life, we don't really get to go back to the way things were. Um, But I, what I have experienced is that God doesn't often give us our old lives back But what he does is he makes new life come out of dead things. Um, When we were in New Mexico, uh, there were these beautiful white sands um, where we lived. It's called White Sands National Monument, I believe. Um, And if you look at those, it's, you know, it just looks like a beautiful sight. But what you don't realize is that it's actually a product of death and resurrection. That land used to be covered by a giant lake and the lake dried up. It's never coming back. But what was left behind were these gypsum deposits and then through time and weather and breaking that down. And now we have this beautiful site that we have today with these beautiful white sands. And I feel, I believe that's how God actually works not by hitting the rewind button for us, not by putting us back to our old lives, but instead through this process of death, he brings resurrection out of this life, not just at the end of our lives, but in and out and over again in this life. And so you may never get your old life back, but I do believe with God that new life is possible.
0: Yeah. I love that. Dakmar, any final thoughts before we wrap up here with the final question?
2: I think that it is true that there's always good things to come out of. And things, stuff ends, stuff changes and, Wishing to get your old life back usually just keeps you stuck in the missing and like missing old friends that you grew apart with and wishing that things could go back to the way they used to be. But even if they did, it wouldn't be the same because it would still be different. You would still be older and having had new experiences. So I think what you said Jillian, is completely right. Like it may it he makes things new out of things that have gone away. I think
1: that's how I think that message of I actually had my longtime mentor pastor. He was our pastor in Augusta, Georgia before we moved across the country and started our military journey. Um he asked me if I could sum up what the unexpected taught me in one phrase what would it be and I said that the resurrection is not just about the next life it's about this life and he he told me that um that was actually something that uh doc sorry um when they oh what is the ordained when ordination it was a requirement for ordination to grasp that concept so I feel like It must have some merit, (laughs) Um, but (laughs) really, I think it has helped me that no matter what happens, no matter what bad things happen, I know that the unexpected will come in my life again. I know heartache will be a part of my life again, um, because that's how life is, Um, that God will bring new life out of whatever that heartache is. And that's where I put my hope in. And mm. it has helped me to, I think, even remain in in God that, um, you know, the message of Jesus and um, he brings new life mm. out of the dead places that we experience in this one. That's
0: good. Tell us about your beautiful family now. Uh, Jillian, the rest of the story. How's your family today?
1: We are really good. Um, We are just finishing up our military career. I say we, um, it's my husband's military career. Um, Now he's a private practice uh, orthodontist in Florida. Um, We live 45 minutes south of where I grew up. I think I just accidentally showed you my dad there in the background. (laughs) (laughs) And <laughs> um, we've never lived near family before. This is brand new for us. And um, it's been such a blessing. And Anderson is doing well. Um, we've got three kids now. And um, this is some of the happiest uh, that we've ever been. And just feel really, really grateful um, after all of those years of heartache uh, to be where we are right now.
0: Praise the Lord. All right, Duckmar, go for it.
2: The Finding Something Real podcast stands for restoration, authenticity, eternity, and love. Which of these four things stand out to you in your life most right now and why? I think the restoration.
1: I, I think that's really what my book is about. And like I just said, like where we are right now, you know, and um, I think that. God has just used all of our life's experiences and has weaved them into just something beautiful and it doesn't erase the hard parts, you know there are still difficult parts about raising a disabled child in an accessible world. Um, I had one of those moments this week uh, where you realize how vulnerable your child is and and that can be hard um but I see how. God's restoration at work in our lives constantly through our son um, and how he uses our son um, to speak to me, um, to speak to those around us, um, to, I believe, whisper his message of love. And um, I just see restoration in my life so much right now um, in particular. And
0: yeah, I think that's that's my answer. Wow. Well, Jillian Benfield and Doc thank you both so much for being here today. This has been a really beautiful conversation. Um, I'm really glad that you came, both of you, just as you are. Uh, I did too, clearly. And uh, God has been gracious and I'm just grateful. So until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This season, we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the Christian faith. We hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that. But if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with him. Until next time.